0: This is The Shift Podcast.
1: Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, former judge and Ukrainian lawmaker Mikhailo Zernikov joins us from an undisclosed location in Ukraine. We hear about the importance of trains in Ukraine's war effort and how Ukrainians are keeping their country functioning as the war continues. Would you drive a tank if you could? Well, you can in Texas. We asked the question, if you could drive anything, what would it be? For Ryan, it was a tank. So drivetanks.com is a thing where you can go and drive modern World War II tanks for a fee really plus it's back game showy on the shift brennan and i go head to head about the edmonton oilers and edmonton based trivia came to a draw settled by ryan o'donnell this is the shift podcast it's time for us to play game showy we got to get started my friends that's right it's time for game showy It's like a game show, but we didn't know what to call it. So he said, sounds kind of game showy here with all of the rules of the game, which don't really matter because Brendan will just cheat anyway, is Ryan O'Donnell.
2: Ah, thanks, Bob. We're off to a nice and completely formal start here to game showy. Oh, it's so good to be back, isn't it? Uh. The NHL playoffs are underway, which means we got to do some hacky trivia. And uh, if you are an Edmonton Oilers fan, lucky you. Not only did your team finally win a playoff game, you guys are also the topic of today's trivia. Yes, the Oilers. Our
1: categories are Oilers, Oilers Stats and the city of
2: Edmonton. Bob? All right, that's it, yes. And if you get the answer right, you hear this lovely sound. And if you get it wrong, you hear this.
3: Mm.
2: Excellent stuff. Yes, so our just a quick reminder, our, our categories are the Oilers, just team history, Oilers stats for the players and the team, and some interesting facts about the city of Edmonton itself. Don't worry, other NHL uh, Canadian teams, you will get your shot here too. We're starting with the Oilers. So, uh, Shane, it's been a while since you were on Game Showy. So, I think it's only fair that you get to pick the first cat at Gory for this round of Game Showy.
1: Well, after the Oilers came back losing the first game four to two and winning six nothing against LA, boy, the firepower mm. was present. Uh last night in the hockey game, I think I'm going to start with Oilers trivia. Keep in mind I'm I'm a Flames fan, so I'm going to do mm-hmm. my best, Edmonton. Let's try to get this right because my buddy Jeff, he is one of the faithful, and he tells me all kinds of things all the time. Uh so I'm going to try to uh emulate Jeff and channel him here.
2: See, so here we go. All right. Okay. Well, let's He's from Drayton by the out. way.
1: Wait, for everyone from Edmonton, I should probably clarify he's also from Drayton Valley. So, take that as you will.
2: Okay. All right. Here's your question. Your first question. What year were the Edmonton Oilers founded? Was it? Founded. 1982, mm. 1952,
1: 1972, mm. or mm-hmm. 1962? Uh, Well, Bob, I would say 1952, that's way too original hockey Uh stuff, and 82, they were already working on um, being a team. So I'm going to say... What was the one in the 70s? 72. Uh, My inner uh, Jeff Hubert says uh, that would be 72, Bob.
2: 1972 is... Correct. Yes. So the team yes. played its first season in 72 as one of the 12 founding franchises of the major professional World Hockey Association, the WHA, which then joined the NHL in 1979. Sweet.
1: Love it. Yeah. There See, I go. knew that by Brandy 82, Kelly. they were already rolling, right?
2: Right. So. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I didn't. I did not know that they started out in the WHA. I thought they were NHL. So there you go, part mm-hmm. of the merger. Mm-hmm. Brennan Kelly yeah, I mean, down one nothing. My friend pick a category down. and uh, let's the, get a story. You
0: could call me down after the the question.
4: Like mm-hmm. we're
0: still in the first round to say that I'm mm-hmm. anyway. Stakes are uh, high. With that being said, if I get anything correct, it'll be amazing. As, uh, as okay. someone who doesn't watch hockey, and also. I, I grew up in southern Ontario, so there no no other mm. part of the country existed outside of the nine hundred five in the curriculum. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: there is the uh, there a is Canada a category that's just Edmonton. Yeah. If yeah, that helps you. Yeah,
0: that's the one I'm going to go with. Um, since okay, I'm not a big hockey guy, so let's go with the city of Edmonton. Also, something I don't know much about. I went to I was in the airport once.
2: Okay, <laughs> all right. How about this? <laughs> 150 years ago, Edmonton was just a fur trading post. What company ran that trading post? Was it the Northwest Company, the Hudson's Bay, the XY, or the Western Trading Union?
0: I'll go with a well-known Canadian company of Hudson's Bay.
2: That is... Correctamundo. That is correct. All of the other ones. Is that are the only out.
1: real company on there?
2: I th- yeah, I'm and pretty sure. It's the only one I've yeah. heard of. That's <laughs> why I said it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stuck out in my mind.
1: All right. Very uh, Shift out. heads, there by the way, go. if you want to contribute in, you can text in the answer because if Ryan gives us permission, he will allow us to go to the text line and pick an answer from the text line. Just so you know, 877-399-9898. So if you know the answer, text it in. You could help out. Text them to me. Excellent. Not to Brendan.
2: Not to Brendan. Or to just to me, not to Shane either. What am I saying? It just text them to me. <laughs> okay, uh, it's tied one-one. Shane, please pick a category, my friend.
1: All right. So the categories are the city of Edmonton, Oilers, and Oilers stats. Yes. I'm not very good at the Euler stats. BK is better with the numbers. So I think I'm going to go after an Edmonton question. No and uh, hopefully takes an a stats question.
2: Stats. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, okay, let's spice it up a little bit here. Which uh, Canadian indie rock artist calls Edmonton home? Is it Tegan and Sarah, Feist, Metric, Arcade Fire, or Mac DeMarco? Okay. Um, I know this
0: one. Oh,
1: no, yeah, of course you do. You're the music guy, right? I
2: know it. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, well, let's. Uh, can you repeat? Okay, so repeat them again for I, me. Yep,
2: yeah, absolutely. So, can, okay. which of these artists is from Edmonton? Tegan okay. and Sarah. Feist. Uh, there,
1: no, Tegan and Sarah from Calgary. Metric. No, they aren't. So, no, wait, 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 I'm missing fire. one. You just said one. You're moving too fast. Slow down. Feist. Tegan and Sarah is the first Feist. one. They're from Calgary, so it's not them.
2: Okay. Feist All is right. from Calgary. So it's not her. Metric. They're from Toronto. Arcade Fire. They're from Montreal. And Mac DeMarco. Never heard of them. Really? I'm really? going to go with Mac DeMarco because it's the only one I don't Ma- know. <laughs> well, Mac Demarco is correct. This is gonna, this stat's going to be interesting. So, Demarco is quite a well-known Canadian indie artist. He was born oh, in sorry, Duncan, Ma- BC, sorry, Mac. but he was raised Duncan. in Edmonton. His great grandfather is Vernon Smith, Alberta's former Minister of Railways and Telephones, for whom Mac Demarco is named. And his grandpa was a judge of the Court of Queen's Bench in Alberta. So, oh, rooted in Alberta. Yeah, interesting stuff. Sorry, Mac. A lot. I'll look it yep. up, man. I'll give it a listen. I didn't know. It's great stuff. Love oh. Mac DeMarco. All right, Brennan right. Kelly. Sorry he took the music question, but uh, you, you you still have yeah. a great opportunity here. You're only down one point. You tried to help me out
0: there. Uh, I guess I'll we'll go with the category that we haven't chose yet. Oilers
2: stats. Which... Oilers stats, stats, stats. Okay, all right. Uh, well, lucky you. We uh, have stumbled upon a question that has sound as part of it. It is the... Uh, it is the the third question or the second question in my roster of uh, special questions with music or music and or extra bits. So here's the question. Right now, just I want you to first take a listen. This is Wayne Gretzky just doing Wayne Gretzky things, being the great one back in 1996. And back out comes Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky moving ahead, picks up and fights his way free, goal! Gretzky shoots one up. He has 100 points. That was his last 100 point season. How many wow. did he have in his entire career?
1: Oh, God.
2: Oh. Was it? More than anybody else? Is that an answer? <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. Was it? Okay, but I, I, all right. This is going to be good, though. Was it right. 10, Oof. 16, oh, boy. 13, or 8? Hmm.
0: What are they again?
2: 10, <laughs> 16, 13, or 8?
0: I'll uh, go with uh, 16 because it's the most.
2: It, that is... Wow, congratulations. That is correct. That's
1: funny. That's not <laughs> That's, hockey trivia. Yeah. That's Brendan knowing Ryan.
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's him weeding me. Okay, but this is a staggering number. Gretzky tallied 100 points in 16 seasons. 14 of those were consecutive, which is just insane still to this day. Such an He's amazing man. What amazing, amazing. Yeah. What a di-
1: dynasty. In Evan. Okay, this yeah. is game showy. It's the shift. Uh, we are listening to uh, trivia about the Oilers 6 nothing over L.A. last night in Game 2 of the playoffs. Ryan O'Donnell dishing out the questions.
2: Well, we're tied. At uh, two of two apiece. So, wrong. one
1: no, I got it right.
2: Yeah, yeah. I oh guess you guys got, you I guessed guys are both of them on the same page here, which is, is staggering. Okay. Uh, so, Shane, once again, the categories are Oilers trivia, Oilers mm-hmm. stats trivia, and tri- uh, questions about the city of Edmonton. Oilers stats
1: trivia, Oilers and the city of Edmonton. Um,
2: let's
1: go, city of Edmonton, Bob. You keep picking that
2: one. All right. Well, this is the this. Yeah, this is okay. All right. Uh, West Ed, the largest mall in North America for a very long time, or uh, in in the world for a long time. It is the Mm -hmm. second largest mall in North America now. The other one's not Uh, really a mall. Not so much. So it's uh, here's the question: Was when was it built? Dolphins was it? Nineteen eighty one. Uh-huh. 1975, uh-huh. 1990, or 1989? Uh-huh. At the time, I uh,
1: just moved to Fort McMurray in 1984, I think, or 85. 85. We moved to Fort McMurray, I think, in 85, and it was open then. So uh, you're going to have to hit me with those years again, Ryan. When did the West Edmonton Mall open? What are the year choices? 81, 75, uh-huh.
2: 1990, uh-huh. or 89.
1: Okay, so I'm going to... It's either 81 or 75. Okay. The question is, is what I don't know, the brothers that uh, built it, I think they built mm-hmm. Eaton Center too. And the thing is, is that I don't know if it opened little first and then big, or if it opened yes. all big
2: at once. It opened in three stages over a very long time. A I very long time. Phases. I'm talking about the very, very first one. The very first phase part of the mall opening. Day.
1: 75 seems way too old. That means that mall would have been, you know, 10, 15 years old by the time we started to go there. So I'm going to go with the 80. What was it? 81? 81. All right. eighty ones. That's my guess. Oh, 81 I is correct. Have. Oh, nice. Yes. Just as I said that, I looked over at the tech screen and uh, there was three 81s and 175. <laughs> so thank you for the for the answers. Yes, I wish I had seen go. that before. I guess would have been easier.
2: Yeah. Uh, still to this day, West Ed, uh, despite not having the luster of being the largest mall in the world, still gets 32 million visitors a year and 90 to 200,000 shoppers a day, depending on the season, which is awesome. That water
1: park, mint. It is the best. And if you, if you ever hear about the Mall of America being amazing and you should go there, it's not. It's a circle no, with there. a mediocre at best uh, amusement park in the middle of it. And if you, I mean, we went there. You know what? The only thing we bought at the Mall of America. Hmm q-tips <laughs> from a, from a drugstore <laughs> that was it that nice. was the only thing we could found that was interesting and then um but although the train systems getting out of their mall was really cool but there you go edmonton you still got yeah. it
2: all right well all you're right. up three to two brennan kelly yes we are out of edmonton questions we yeah. only have oilers questions well, shane left chose them all shane took yes all he did them. thank you yep it's a good strategy. This
0: is probably going to be been, the last question. It is think, a good strategy. We're out of time. It is a good strategy because I don't know anything about these other things. Um, I'll just go with the Oilers.
2: Okay. Oilers trivia. This is my favorite question. I'm glad you picked it. Okay. So I'm uh, just waiting for my page to load. Apologize. Okay. So right here, this is one of the most famous blunders in hockey history. Patrick oh. Stefan. Misses an Oilers empty net. A chance to score on the Oilers and seal the deal. Only for this to happen.
3: Bergeron fans on a pass. Stephen steals and he'll ice it. Oh, at least I thought he was going to until he blew it. That's unbelievable. Here come the Oilers the other way. And Hemsky's loose. Hemsky, he scores. Can
2: you believe what we just saw? So, one of the biggest blunders in hockey history. Here's your question, Brendan. What team did Patrick Stefan play for? Was it the Dallas Stars, the Minnesota Wild, the Calgary Flames, or the San Jose Sharks?
0: I don't know. Ah. Uh... Can I go to the text line?
2: You can go to the text line, but we don't have any. You guys got to text it in quick. If you know the answer, somebody text it
0: in quick. Somebody text now. 877 399 9898 Oh, there's there a go. 10 second delay in everything, too. It'll be. Oh, the uh, same I one. can tell you this. One, um, um, their one text says online, shark. In streaming.
1: In the pre roll that you're not seeing yet, because I get a pre roll of those texts at UCBK. Uh, uh, so the first one is shark. Uh, second one is Dallas. Uh, second one is Dallas.
0: I'll go with. Uh, uh well Shark isn't a team, so I'll go.
2: <laughs> Yeah it is well, San Jose I know what they I
0: know what Catherine <laughs> means, but uh I'll go with uh, uh there's D- a flames, there's a Dallas Oh so there's a flames. nobody's sure at all. It's just nope. it, it, everyone's guessing okay, I'll go with Dallas.
2: Dallas is we have a tie, my friends. Dallas is correct. Oh, Stefan plays oh, yeah, for Dallas like and here's his three, three statistics.
1: Okay. He's lucky so, and smart.
2: He's lucky and smart, Brendan Kelly, but th- I have to share this stat with you. This is incredible. So the Stars won that game in a shootout, but that extra point that the Oilers got was ins- incredible for their for their whole team because the Blackhawks and Oilers finished that season with 71 points and the Oilers had the tiebreaker. Oilers finished sixth last and the Blackhawks played fifth last with an 8.1% chance of winning the draft lottery. The Blackhawks got it and received the first overall pick in 2007, which turned out to be Patrick Kane. Had the Oilers not won that extra point in that unbelievable goof, the Edmonton Oilers could have drafted Patrick Kane, one of the greatest stick handlers of all time.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, for the tiebreaker, I'm going to ask a question of Ryan O'Donnell. How does that work? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we need a tiebreaker. If Ryan gets it, you want right or wrong. Brennan, you get to vote for right or wrong. You win this game all the time, so you can pick. Is Ryan going to get this question right, or is he going to get it wrong? It is an Oilers-based Edmonton question. Okay. Mm, Stuff to say. I'll, I'll say, I guess I'll say right,
0: because he did all this research on the team today, so hopefully okay. he, he knows
1: it. All right. Yep. Don't worry. We're hearing this for the first time, too, so... This is all we're making this up as we go. Um I'm just working on some uh some things here. Okay, just so you know. Okay. Are you texting
0: uh, Ryan right now? Like, are you fixing the No, I'm No, I'm just.
1: I'm gonna ask the question. You're no, off the phone. Screen. Can see the phone.
0: You're like doing something down off screen.
1: Yeah, I'm writing uh, my options. Okay. We're making this up as we go here. Like this is uh, we. This is not. We don't have the. uh We're doing something new. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Okay, (laughs) in recent memory, the Edmonton Oilers have played in two different arenas, big ones. Yep. Currently, it's Rogers Place. The old one was Northland's Ice Coliseum or Rexall Place. Yes. What is the seating capacity of Rogers
2: Place? Ooh. uh, I have options for you. Yeah, Rogers it Place. Be options, okay, good. Cause cause we good. get options, okay. right? I've been there, so I know. I have an idea. Okay, is it? Go ahead. Seventeen thousand eight hundred twenty-one. Okay. Sixteen thousand eight
1: hundred thirty-nine. Eighteen thousand five hundred. Nineteen thousand eight hundred. What is the seating capacity of Rogers Place, where the Edmonton Oilers beat the LA Kings six nothing last night?
2: It's not enormous, but it's the most beautiful arena I've ever been in. I'm gonna go with. uh, I'm gonna go with eighteen five hundred. Final answer. Eighteen thousand
1: five hundred is the seating capacity of Rogers Place in Edmonton.
2: Nice, nice.
1: I am lucky. You're welcome. There you go. So, sixteen thousand eight hundred thirty-nine was the seating capacity of Northland's Ice yeah. Coliseum yeah, back Hall in the day. I won the yeah. hockey one. How? it Wow! And it was all guesses.
2: All guesses. More hockey questions than Shane did.
1: Yeah, I know. I, you know, I can't Excellent. catch a break. I can't. Well, thanks for listening to Game Showy. It's a game show that we couldn't come up with a name with. Usually, Brendan cheats. Turns out this time he's just lucky. Join us next time on on Game Showy, where don't worry, Brendan will be back to cheating again in no time. Oh, God. You can't buzz out the announcer, man. Man. This is The Shift
0: Podcast.
1: As we continue to do here on the program, we reach out all the way across the Atlantic, deep into Europe and into Ukraine to uh, have some conversations. I like to call it the looking out the window of what is truly going on. Let's cut through all of the news reports. Let's cut through all of this um, sort of third-hand reporting and start to ask those questions of somebody who is there. Uh, Mikhailo Zernikov joins us uh, from an unnamed location in Ukraine for safety things. Uh, good morning to you, too, Mikhailo. Uh,
4: good morning. Uh, good morning, and Thanks for having me.
1: Ah, absolutely. Um, we we're breaking up a little bit on the phone there. So if we do have trouble, we will call you back or, or let you know. Um, I appreciate you coming on. It is morning at the time of this conversation. It is around 11 o'clock in the morning, your time. Waking up this morning to uh, more of the same um, and stories about what has been going on in Eastern Ukraine. And what we're hearing here is some um, more attacks scattered about Ukraine. Um, with rockets and whatnot so Mikhailo, maybe you could just give us a bit of an update to what things look like this morning when you got up for work
4: uh, right so yeah uh yesterday several rockets hit uh leave and some other uh, many other places uh, around ukraine which uh which again means there is no, there have not been a, a safe location, an absolutely safe location in Ukraine uh, at all for, um, for for weeks now. Because you know, uh, before that you could, you know, be in the region where there was no shellings or no no missiles launched. But uh, uh, unfortunately, now that's it's not the case. So um, yeah, now uh, every pretty much every 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 minute, every moment you go like, oh, is, is there is there a sign at oh if if there is no um... if there is no siren then um... yeah basically you're you're always under the threat of of being hit by a missile which is not which is not cool uh, yeah. so yeah, and no the war's going on still in the east. There's some advances by the Russians, not not much though. But um yeah, uh, but some some of the territories we do reclaim, so it's going on and on. Of course the, the total the, the very big offensive or the retaking of the whole east of Ukraine or the whole Donbass is not happening luckily, but there's still very heavy uh fighting and casualties obviously.
1: When we had a conversation last week out of Odessa with one of our contacts there, Hannah had shared with us that uh, there was a group, the United Nations and Red Cross did try to get out of Mariupol. They were supposed to go on on their journey, which was supposed to be around in normal times, four to hours or so, and had taken an entire day. They hadn't heard from at the time. I watched this through the course of the week this week, and I've started to see reports that that those people who were getting out have turned up now, which is good news. Especially under the light of what has been happening in Mariupol with literally getting into that steel plant where people were, were, were hiding yeah. and staying away with, um, you know, fighting inside the plant now. Can you help us understand, you know, from Ukraine, what you're seeing in regards? It's great news that those people have got out. It was only a, a hundred or so, which is not enough, but at least it is a few people that are safe. What are we, what are we hearing from the steel plant?
4: Right, it's still, there's still a tragedy, uh, there's still a very, very difficult situation to say the least because there's a, uh, apart from, you know, uh, hundreds of people who are civilians and who, luckily, some of whom are evacuated right now, there's, um, more than 500 injured defenders, uh, inside the, the, the steel plant and, uh, you know, and, and the, the other defenders who are still in the ranks, they are not, um, not having, you know, uh, access to medicine to to even you know um to to to, to the shelves to replenish their ammo to to uh, how how can you do that how can you fight back for seventy days without you know let alone you know resting and and you know food and and, and other things i don't know it's just it's just uh, uh inhuman how how they uh, in 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 a good sense how they are um yeah how how they or, or superhuman so to say uh how they're defending uh you know the last bits of free um uh sea of us uh coastline and and uh, last bits of free Mariupol, which is of course uh you know um um yeah heroic but at the same time tragic because um unfortunately we we see where where, where you know where, where this is going and unfortunately there's there's no way so far you know we don't see a way to to deblock that, or to to keep to, to keep them to aid them somehow, anyhow. Uh,
1: in our conversation before you came on, we were talking about how far we've not come, and and with your previous history of being a judge and working on judicial reform in Ukraine before all this started, um, I think that here in the Western world. I've sort yeah. of d- described this world of this, this utopian idea that the whole world is peaceful and loving and kind. And while absolutely uh, there are elements of that, and we wish it was all like that. You have seen firsthand through the course of your life and your career, the ugly parts of all of this. And I, I drew back a hundred years as there was another piece that I had read about how important trains are in Ukraine right now. And if we go backwards in time, a hundred years, first world war into the second oh, yeah. world war, the number one most important thing was trains. We haven't come very far, really, when we look at all of this, when we look at what's going on in your country, we haven't come very far. How does that affect you as Ukrainian? I mean, you can you can answer that however you like with the political side of it and the policy side that you've seen professionally or what you've seen in your life living in Ukraine, because I would like to think we've come a lot farther, Mikhailo. But the evidence, unfortunately, is all around that we have not come very far.
4: Well yes. Yes and no actually because um the trains you you're absolutely right have been a crucial part of, of what's what has been going on for for what more than a hundred years right now. Um in Ukraine though, you know, there, of course there's there's air there was air traffic because the war started now of course there's none. So um it is extremely important for the sake of, you know, I think the trains move what about if i'm not three or five million people during these two months it's insane how many people have moved um or, or more how many people have been moved to, with the uh, you know uh with, with the train system here in ukraine which 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 is very vast it's ukraine is still a big country it's not as big as canada but uh you know it's, it's the largest country within europe and uh, it's, it spreads uh, some 1500 kilometers east to west so <clears throat> you have to have means to and and of course you know this this not always, especially in the first days and weeks of war, there's been not always an option to drive um especially from some places that are in the east that are you know the cars have been shot and, and so on so these people's these people are heroes who actually still work it's it's a <clears throat> It's a state-owned enterprise, and there's a problem with, you know, there's too many state-owned enterprises here in Ukraine, and and we 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 want to privatize most of them. But uh, I think it played very well in our hands that you know it is a, it is a state company and it is you know attacked as a part of the state doing anything and everything possible to uh, to move the people to safety, to move the goods, to move the you know to aid the defenders, to 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 do all the things possible to you know to uh, to evacuate people. Uh, the little Literally, heroes um, that you know risk their lives because you know this. The, the, especially the, the, recent, the recent challenge, the you know the missile strikes that are on the um, railroad infrastructure. Actually, so they, it, it's, it's, it's uh, you know I can't describe it. for words, how important the work of the of the railroad is in Ukraine, really.
1: Is it, um, is it hard from the policy side of it when you look at what you're going through now? I mean, you're still. I mean, you still have to work, Mikailo. Like you guys still have to. Ukraine as a country still functions. It has to function in order for right, that to yes. be something to fight for, right? So, how do you do that today? How do you look at that? You see, you talk about old state-owned, you know, entities that have to be privatized just for the sake of cleaning up the country from the old world into the new world. What is worth privatizing? What is not worth privatizing? Um, what's better for the people? I mean, you're still going through all of these things. All the time. Is that difficult to do to sit there and say, uh, or or is it one of those things that inspires building uh, the future of what this looks like in order to get there? I'm curious.
4: Uh, yes it 's a very good question i think um yeah uh, there's a lots there's lots of things that are destroyed or being destroyed, which is a tragedy of course, but it 's also a chance to not you know rebuild or to keep this old infrastructure in many places but to build something completely new and to transform the country both you know physically and metaphorically in terms of uh building. Rebuilding the houses and the infrastructure, but also rebuilding the institutions and the state itself and it's it's a huge chance to transform the country and that's that's of course uh you know defeating the enemy is a, is a biggest challenge but uh i am I'm, I'm wondering whether the whether it is not a bigger challenge to you know to transform ourselves because you know it's, it's quite it is it is not easy but it's quite simple on the war you know there's the enemy there's the direction shoot there uh to to dis to, to 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 be able to conquer yourself. That's the you know it's that, that's the challenge that is also great. So um, it is um, it, it is of course you know to, to 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 really win this war we absolutely have to have a strong state, strong institutions. Um, you know we have to have rule of law, we have to have free market, we have to have functioning democracy, functioning economy, all that. So for that we really need. To, Lots of reforms we really really need. Uh, lots of transformation. There's a lot, you know there's the EU accession mechanism that uh, that is now very uh, popular and, and and going on. You know we we are uh, we're heading towards uh, hopefully you know g- getting the EU candidacy uh, status in June this year. So uh, that, that also means a lot of reforms on on the road to be to becoming a full uh, EU member. So that's that's of course that's that's a, that's a very Big challenge, but that's a, that, of course, has to happen in order for us to become a, a strong country, so that neither Russia nor anybody else even dares to think of um, attacking us once more.
1: Well, it it is interesting to note that in the before the war in the old world wasn't if I understand correctly, there was a few things that needed to be cleaned up, if you will, politically in Ukraine in regards of the EU and of NATO in order to make those things happen. So, I mean, uh, there's probably an awful lot of people in in your orbit that went, well, we need to get this stuff done and we need to get it done quickly. Um, You know, because there's still remnants of old world stuff. And I guess I get curious about in and around all of this policy stuff, Mikhailo, because this war must expose some of those people. Uh, and I don't know how you can answer this one and, and keep it appropriate for your work. So take that or however you need to, but there must be some people that get exposed mm-hmm. here that are stalling things and slowing things down. Uh, it makes me curious of the divide that could happen politically there too
4: well, yes, i, I mean, there's no there's no secret in this. I mean I, I, uh, probably at any war there's you know. Marauders and uh, others who uh, who are you know trying to um, find means and find ways to profit from the war itself, but then there are those who um, who want to use uh, this um, you know special times so to say uh not easy times to uh, also to draw back uh certain things reforms to uh or to stall them or to then say okay we don't need this or we need stronger state here where, where we actually don't need a stronger state we actually on the contrary need uh you know liberalization and decentralization and all that so th- of course there, there are still people who um who are there who who are not the biggest fans of reforms let's let's call it that way and uh, especially that's that's important when we're talking about um international aid and when we're talking about rebuilding the country and fighting funds for, it, for that because there's some estimates already that say there's about 600 billion US dollars that, of of damages that that uh, up, up to these uh you know um, uh, numbers that the that that the Russia um here in Ukraine so you know and of, and of course you you know you cannot you cannot just uh, give this money to, Thank you. Uh, sorry I was just getting out of the taxi um, oh, okay. yeah thank so you, um, you want to uh, you don't want to give this money to uh, some corrupt cor- corrupt individuals that um, um, you know that that will profit from it or will over their there I don't know how many percent 30 uh, percent Fifty percent, uh, you know, just I don't, I just don't see that happening. So what I'm trying to say is, of course, uh, the the international community when. Uh, um, um, providing aid to Ukraine. Of course, there's some, there's some necessary aid that should be, you know, given, uh, without any, any strings attached right now, obviously, for, you know, very crucial stuff. But, uh, when we're talking about, um, really rebuilding the country the whole cities, uh, we have to, we have to have a, the system of control of these funds, obviously, the institutions that would, um, uh, control the, the whole process, uh, so it's not, you know, the, those people do not, um, uh, just steal this money, uh, let's, 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 be, let's be clear. And uh, B, uh, of course, th- there should be conditionalities attached to, to big chunks of international aid uh, in, t- in terms of state building and the institutions that have to be here to control the use of these funds, but also to, to, uh, to, to, to guarantee that the country is strong and to guarantee that, you know, it's not misused and, and uh, we don't repeat this, this, this very sad, sad uh, part of history.
1: Uh, Mikhailo Zernikov is in Ukraine and um in our private conversations um which we will keep our private conversations private um I could because it is the candor that that you share with me in those private conversations that help me understand what's going on uh Mikhailo but there was the one picture you sent me that I was hoping you could share that one it was the stroller's picture that that you sent me this weekend when we were chatting um, can you describe that photo oh, if yeah. you're comfortable and let us, and because, uh, can, are you okay if I, if I start and I want to describe what the photo looks like and then can you tell me what happened with that photo?
4: Please, of course. Yes. I'd, I'd okay.
1: So Mikhailo sent me this, um, sent me this photo and. It's like a platform on a, on a train station platform. And across, uh, the, the, field, you can see, uh, different rail, looks like train rails that are sort of there, uh, looks like signals and, and wires and things, uh, that are a train station. Well, on the platform, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, there are seven empty strollers sitting on the platform, just abandoned and left there. Help us understand what this photo means to you.
4: and uh, i, I thought you could you know um show a picture on the radio but uh, somehow you managed to do that Shane. um uh, thanks look uh, this this is one of the uh probably one of the uh, biggest um one of one of the things that's you know, struck me the most. Um, So these are the strollers that the Polish um, men and women left uh, for the Ukrainian mothers who escaped with their children without the strollers, obviously, uh, for um, different reasons, who came on a train to Poland. So they... um, have a stroller when they, you know, exit, the when they exit the train and when they, when they are on the platforms. So, so they are comfortable moving their child to, you know, to safety, to where they, um, you know, agreed to, to leave or where they will be, you know, sheltered or, or, or um, um, received by, by the, by the Polish citizens, which of course, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's the It's a very good depiction of how the Polish people are really, um, um, you know, helping Ukraine. And uh, the recent polls show that, you know, um, um, the Polish president, Duda, is, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 92 percent, the most popular um, um, foreign leader uh, amongst Ukrainians because they feel so much uh, because Poland is our closest neighbor, probably, um, you know, the largest of our neighbors, and, and it'll be most um, helpful with so many things um, recently with the war, you know, both financial aid and military aid and, uh, you know, and, and uh, receiving um, um, people who, you know, displaced people and, and so on. So this is this is a great depiction, but not, not only Poland, of course, we're very grateful to all the people, you know, the, the, the other countries' leaders are, Western countries' leaders are Poland very highly because you know ukraine really feels the support of the world and and i i just want to use this opportunity to thank again the, the canadian people and thank the whole world for uh, all the help that you guys are providing because yes it is um it is a fight for ukraine's independence but it is essentially a fight uh, of good and evil um um in the world of of democracy versus um a total self life versus darkness and uh, it's it's very heartwarming to see how how the world united um uh, in in this fight and how I'm sure uh, altogether will prevail.
1: Mikhailo Zernikov in Ukraine. Um, thank you very much for being with us again and sharing your heart and this photo. Um, I, I would like, can I share that photo publicly inside our our radio show group? Uh, would that be okay with you?
4: Please, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank- and, and thank you again for having me, and thanks for for doing all this. That that awesome. really matters.
1: I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate you so much, and I've learned so much, holy moly, about I've learned about life. I've learned about Ukraine. I've learned about relationships. I've learned about the important things that happen, uh, the important things that need to happen. Um, it's It's been absolutely amazing. Mikhailo Zernikov joining us uh, in Ukraine. Uh, thank you very much, Mikhailo. Be safe.
4: Thank you, Shane. You too.
1: This is the shift podcast. I want to know, like, not if it's cool, it's cool. It's fine. If you're like, I want to drive an F1 car. Brendan Kelly said he wants to drive a Volvo, which I don't believe that to be the case. I believe that Brendan Kelly wants to drive like a NASCAR because he loves NASCAR. He's moved into the F1 stuff. Now the fancy, he got tired of left turns. He wanted some right turns. So. Uh, He's busy at the moment. I look forward to um, hearing what you would like to drive. If you could drive anything in the world, what would you drive? Now, Ryan, uh, if you missed what he said, we'll talk about that second. Now, if I could drive anything in the world, what do you think Shane would want to drive? Ryan, I want to hear your guess.
2: I'm going to guess I feel like I'm going off of something that I is like a fleeting memory in my brain but i'm guessing like a old porsche or no no oh, no yeah it's an Aston that's fun it's an aston martin for sure oh well, that's my favorite car martin. yeah no both yeah. are correct
1: a 2007 okay. aston martin vantage v6 manual is one of my favorite nice. cars if i could pick that car and you're right an old uh like depends on the year and the model like all 911s but depends on the year and the version of the 911 um you know like there's 79 turbo um, they didn't have a cabrio till past 83. So it's sort of mid eighties cabrio into the nineties. So it just depends on the car. Those are both right, but I've driven, I've driven those cars. That's why I love them. So I mean, for me, flying aerobatics in an airplane, I've, I've done, had the opportunity mm. to do that. So I flew an extra 300L, uh, over Niagara, actually upside down and all those things made me sick. I should try to find that video. I think I've got that on my Facebook somewhere. I should share that. Uh, you can hear me puke at the very end of it. Are you okay? Yeah. That's great. Um, Now, what would you want to drive? Now, BK, I, I edited your decision to say more of an F1 car versus a Volvo. No? no? Anything no. in the world? Any machine? Like Ryan no, but, said, a tank.
0: It, because... What I want to do is drive on the open road and discover new places and Uh, see amazing, yeah, southwestern sunsets and those types of things and drive through Uh, Europe and all that stuff. So I just want a nice, reliable car to do that. Yeah, okay, and uh, safe too. Yeah, safe. Yeah, vehicle wise, I don't really care. I don't want to drive an F one car. You're you're stuck on a circuit. It's not street legal, and I don't care about the mechanics of it. I was always a Uh, personality person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you don't like rules years. unless
1: they're unless it's unsafe. Okay, so that's cool. For me, it's a bus. I just want to drive a bus. You want to
2: drive a bus?
1: Like like I do. I want bus? like a giant like motorhome. No, like a giant motorhome, like a full size uh, like bus motorhome or a, or a, like a hockey team bus. Like a full size coach. That's 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 it for me. i think that would be the most amazing thing in the world. I, when I was young, I had the opportunity to drive one of those big heavy hauler trucks, like those Tonka truck looking. Dump trucks, those were fun. Drove a Peterbilt, like, down a gravel road. I didn't get to drive it with a trailer. But I was okay. It was manual. It was fun. What would you drive if you could pick anything to drive? 877-399-9898. Ryan has a love affair with tanks. Um, You love tank games. In fact, you have had to uh, de-addict yourself from tank games. You you love them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I quit playing a game I played for over 10 years because it was sinking too much money and it was making me angry. Um, but I love tanks. I, I know how to calculate the armor thickness of a tank with a mathematical equation, but I can't do algebra. But I can do it with tanks because I love them so much and the engineering and all of it. Love it.
1: Catherine says, um, I want to drive... The big spaceship from Star Wars with Harrison Ford in the back seat. I think she means the Millennium Falcon. Um, I'm pretty sure you just want to hang out with Harrison Ford, cat. Come on. Um Okay, so spaceship. That'd be fun. You'd be ripping, right? Uh, 1989 Chevy Caprice Classic comes in. I'd love to drive a Bugatti or some kind of supercar. Uh, supercars are super fun. Um, then... What about like, like electric cars, like electric supercar? That kind of torque, like zero to a hundred in a second and a half. Mm-hmm. The Rimac, awesome. yep. None of those come. It's still tanks
2: for you, huh? It's a tank. It's it's they're a feat of engineering, right? And I uh, I remember watching a TV show on History Channel called "Greatest Tank Battles of History," and there was a Canadian veteran by the name of Radley Walters who uh, knocked out eight German tanks in World War II in his Sherman Firefly. And hearing him talk about operating that tank, commanding it when I was a kid, that's where the love affair started. And then just a rabbit hole of the engineering and mistakes and the marvels of all of it. Yeah, like you hear about Porsche in World War II designing the Beetle uh, and, uh, or not the Beetle, sorry, like cars for the Nazis and also tanks for the Nazis too. It's crazy. The Volkswagen, it's the Vagen for the Volks. Maybe okay.
0: Maybe I would do an NHRA Top Fuel Dragster because it dragster. can get down the quarter mile in two and a half, three nice. seconds. And then after I'm done that, three seconds of work, I can get back in my Volkswagen and continue my journey across the American Southwest.
1: Or Europe, which is definitely not yeah. the Southwest. That too. or the the way east, the the east of the west, or the west of the east, the west of the east. Uh, I've always okay. wanted
0: west. I just I go west. I now, keep going
1: west. My son has a Volkswagen, so I can get Brennan into a Volkswagen, but what if I could get Ryan into a tank? It's a thing. It's literally mm-hmm. a thing that you could get into a tank. Would you go, Ryan, if you could get into a tank? Drive I, it?
2: I tried to buy tickets to an event in Calgary called Tanks and Tacos where you could eat tanks and insi- eat tacos inside of tanks. Got canceled, but yes, I would do it to answer your question. Absolutely. All right, joining me now is a guy who his name is Brandon Riley. He is with
1: a company called drivetanks.com. Uh, Brandon, how are you?
3: I'm doing absolutely fantastic today. Thank you for having me.
1: So tell everybody where you are, and then I'm going to try to decipher what the heck you do.
3: So yeah, I'm with drivetanks.com. We are actually based out of Uvalde, Texas, which is about two hours west of San Antonio, about halfway between that and the border with Mexico. Wow. So out in the beautiful Texas Hill Country.
1: Okay, now drive tanks.com, much like Fighter Combat International for airplanes, uh, is pretty unique as a, a, a getaway kind of thing to do. You guys basically allow people to go for a rip, in a tank. You guys have the coolest whips ever, if you will.
3: Oh, yeah. So, yeah, no, it's we specialize in the more ground based stuff. So, yeah, no, we actually have 16 tanks total. Wow. Ranging from World War II all the way up to current serving. We have two Shermans, a T-34. We got our hands on a German Stug, but she's still a uh, work in progress. So and we also have a bunch of Cold War tanks, M-41 uh, Walker Bulldog, German Leopard. It's quite a lot to take in all at once.
1: Now, for everyone who um, needs to hear this part, this is a uh, encapsulated environment safety training, all that stuff, because we might as well get that part out of the way and say this is like supervised scenario for people to go and try things uh, in the proper environment versus to take one for a rip in a shopping mall parking lot.
3: Precisely. It's our entire crew is all prior military. So it's it's all combat arms, prior military. So y'all are in a very safe environment.
1: Oh, wow. Um, Okay, so let's, (laughs) your mechanics must be busy. I can't help but ask
3: very it's everything with this requires a crane like even the deck plates on the leopards weigh about five six hundred pounds yeah that's
1: amazing um uh i mean interest in this stuff must be going up brandon i mean people are more and more curious than ever and the opportunity to drive tanks from different places in the world must be a real curious thing um for people to find out with you
3: oh yeah no most definitely it's um we were incredibly popular back in 2019 before everything started getting crazy we were getting people from germany britain france china russia all over the world were coming Mm. out to see us
1: yeah and um when you look back at some of these older tanks that are out there troop carriers and these armored um machines when you look at them can you even imagine what that would have been like truly i guess you get the experience of it with the big cannons getting shot and stuff like that but i mean really driving into some of those situations um i guess it does beg the question which ones are safer the old ones or the new
3: ones so new ones are most definitely safer (laughs) so especially the newer american ones are a lot safer but i mean they all have their old their own drawbacks they are by all means steel coffins yeah
1: um yeah i think some of those movies that you've seen that there was that brad pitt movie um and those ones you see how some of those guys are at least in hollywood's view of how it all happens is is pretty scary stuff well let's bring it right into what is happening today is that you know you've seen all these photos come out of ukraine about russian tanks getting obliterated because the stories that we've heard is that since the gulf war Uh, the western world has known the vulnerability of those tanks in particular i mean it gets ugly quick doesn't it
3: very yeah very and it's even since World war two and when tanks really came into their fashion it's always been an argument of armor and gun and gun is always one always yeah so it's as we've just gone on especially with us and fighting in the middle east stuff like that we've learned a lot about russian technology and stuff like that we know how to kill them but it's yeah there there's even our m1 that were knocked out by rpgs that were built in the 70s yeah
1: yeah, so it's staggering stuff. Okay, so I'm going through this list of all of these different things. I perhaps uh, like the tracked motorcycle would be super curious. It's also more in my price range of things that you can drive. Um, it's expensive. It ranges from $700, 500 $700 US to get all the way up to a couple thousand, 3000 And you can shoot the guns and all this stuff too on some of them. You can fire guns too. Is that, that
3: legit? Oh, yeah. No, it's uh, so with our Sherman, the Walker Bulldog, and um our t-34 all have live guns so it's a true 76 millimeter gun for the sherman and you're firing an actual tank round we're not shooting powder loads or um, blanks or anything else like that you're actually shooting a projectile downrange
1: oh really eh i guess that happens on a again secure range <laughs> it's very not secure like you're just,
3: range yes it's they're not landing in a neighborhood
1: close by
3: no so that being said we're on an eighteen thousand acre ranch uh-huh. about 27 square miles <laughs> So that's fair, so, yeah. And we're shooting into the base of a hill.
1: Do you um? Do you guys do any laser? Have you added any laser technology to do interactive battle things like you see with some of the airplanes? Have you been able to to get that part done yet?
3: So we we did look into it because they do have uh, something very similar to what we use in uh, infantry school for tactics and everything else like that. For against each other, they have the same thing for tanks, but it's very expensive to get and. it's... We, most of our excess cash goes into maintaining these things.
1: Yeah. I would imagine, uh, gasoline and diesel fuel probably these
3: days. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, one thing, the, uh, COVID and the war in Ukraine and stuff like that has actually made getting parts for some of our stuff, very difficult.
1: What about permits? Like, is this like permitted all the hell where you, like you guys must have to have all kinds of, like special permits because i'm assuming it is america so it's different and you are in texas um so i mean i'm assuming you can't just go down the street and buy some of this stuff
3: no no yeah no it's we're very heavily federally regulated we get atf inspection every year it's um yeah we've got two or three different licenses that we have to keep up and maintain and we try and stay above the standard
1: What's the coolest thing about this, Brandon? I mean, if you want to drive a tank, you want to do these things. And, you know, you've got your video game on your phone, whatever. You play your tank games. um, You want to go do this. What's the coolest thing about it? I mean, just your opinion.
3: So it's – I don't know. It's – Bit of a hard one to answer. Probably the coolest thing is just realizing how difficult these things to operate. Even the modern stuff, it's all hydroxis electronic, but, or electronically driven, but it still takes a lot of physical effort to actually drive these things. Really high. So, I mean, the older stuff is much worse. The Sherman, it's a manual transmission, but it's actually fairly forgiving. The Russian T-34 on the other hand, I have to take Advil before and after driving that thing. It's an absolute pain just
1: getting knocked around or the 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 volume of it or all all of the above
3: uh all the above it's not gentle by any means but just how the driver has to sit he almost basically sits in the fetal position his legs are stretched out forward and then he has to lean forward to grab onto the brake uh, sticks really to steer and it's a single input differential braking on the thing so when you pull back on one stick to turn you have to feed gas into it so you don't stall it and then you have to push the stick all the way back forward until it locks in place if you don't do that and try to pull on the other stick, the transmission freaks out, waddles, and it stalls out.
1: <laughs> really, and then yes. here you are with your life on the line, trying to do all that. By the way, you might be in it for four days.
3: Yeah, you know precisely it, the T thirty four was so difficult to drive, or at least trying to teach show people how to drive it. That even back in World War Two, the shifter is actually in the assistant driver's side of the tank; it's not in the driver's side
1: makes no sense but i guess when you're building it you're not building it from those needs you're building it from survivability and then of course that cannon like you talked about
3: yeah it's the t34 by far is bare minimum
1: wow i guess you can't take a car home from work at this job can you
3: no no
1: (laughs) (laughs) this is fascinating i absolutely love it um it's drivetanks.com if you want to go check it out um fascinating stuff brandon i really appreciate you popping in And giving us a little bit of insight as to what this looks like. It's expensive, but it sounds like, you know, you talk about a a fellas getaway weekend. That must be what you see a lot of stag parties and and the fellas getaway weekend.
3: Oh, yeah, no, most most definitely. We get a large number of bachelor parties. We do corporate groups. And I mean, we just have families coming out and it's a once in a lifetime experience for them. So, I mean, we've even had families bring out their um, – we had a Korean War vet who actually drove Shermans in Korea come out with his family. Really? So, it's – yeah, we've met a lot of interesting people doing this.
1: <laughs> I imagine. And beer after only. <laughs>
3: yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, exactly.
1: Brandon Riley's is with drivetanks.com. Thanks so much for being here, man. No problem. Thank you for having me. Now, Ryan, I, I did look up the, the cost of this, by the way, in hopes that I could do that. First, I got to get you to Texas. Second, um, the mm-hmm. Sherman tank to drive their tank course is $2,250 to drive the yeah, course. And fair. if you want to fire the that's gun, fair. it's 3200
4: So, Worth it. um.
1: Now, which one of those would be your favorite if you could pick one of the the, tanks? The
2: T-34, T-34 for sure. I know he's Brandon's talking about how difficult it is to drive, but those things are amazing. They were built so fast in World War II that um, if you notice, if you watch all the footage of them, you can hear a clank, clank, clank sound when they're driving. And that's because the pins that hold the tracks together, they didn't have time to weld them. So they were loose but they purposely bent the armor at the front of the tank so every single time the treads would go around, they would get knocked into place. The pins would get knocked in by the armor bend. It's just this amazing feat of like all like just rushed engineering. And I would love to wow. see it and hear it fire.
1: Okay, so that's a Russian tank. It's nineteen hundred and fifty dollars to drive the course. And if you want to shoot the gun, it's thirty five hundred dollars.
2: Amazing. So Big old I don't know if you five. want to hear that. It's-
1: so, I did look up. They have the with the modern tanks. Um, they're all about the same price. The most expensive is that bulldog that you like, Ryan. Um,
3: that bulldog. one is yeah. about
1: uh 28 50 if you want to shoot the gun. i no, that's not that's of the modern ones, the most expensive. Actually, it's quite wild. I because you can go shoot like RPGs there, <laughs> it's like $3,500 to shoot one rocket. Gotta, that's a love affair. Um, but it is all safe and all those things kind of cool. What would you drive if you could drive afford to? I should say drive anything. Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Nighthawk Steve says I would drive a train. That's fascinating to me. It wasn't very many years ago, probably four or five, where I actually looked into it. It's like how long does it take become and become like low on the totem pole and become a full-on engineer and how much money do you make driving trains? I was so curious. I'm like maybe that's it. Maybe that's where I'm destined to go. And I looked into it. And I uh, just kind of decided it wasn't really for me because, you know, I'm too impatient for a train. Um, and uh, I like steering.
0: Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast.
1: Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.